I'm John Perry. I'm Ted Cupper. And this is Constellation, making the graphic novel. Join us as we build an original science fiction world. Okay, hello everybody. Welcome to the uh, Constellation podcast. And I'm here with uh, Ted Cupper as always. How are you doing, Ted? I'm good. How are you doing today, John? Not bad. Uh, Ted was up this time, so we've got some fresh pages from him. And uh, just to catch you up on where we were last episode, a little uh, recap for you. Uh, Tim just solved the second challenge in his quest to get into Altoff. And I believe in these pages, uh, Tim's going to finally get to meet someone from the club of Altoff and perhaps get a third and final challenge. So um, should we just yeah, get that's into right. it? That is what exactly what's going to happen. So you, let's jump into it. Um, I am going to read the narration and I'll be playing Tim. And then uh, John is going to do all the rest of the parts. So we can, uh, we can bring those up as they come up. Um, <clears throat> all right. So yeah, I, uh, I did the next two. Uh, beats and I skipped over an interstitial, so I'll mention when that uh, when that comes up. Okay, so here we go. We are coming in on page eighty-one, and the first panel is a wide panel of a field of cherry trees in bloom. In the distance, a terraced pyramid-like structure featuring interconnected koi rivers that waterfall from level to level. Tiny people can be made out sitting at tables, eating and drinking on the various terraces. And in the far right of the frame, Tim, dressed nicely in classy, timeless fashion, is teleporting into the world. Caption says, Magnerbia. And the sound effects go, On uh, the next panel, Tim spots Zoya in a fancy dress, standing by a sign that reads, Zen Garden, please wait here. Tim, wow, okay, you weren't kidding when you said I should dress up. Next panel. Tim stands next to Zoya at the hostess stand. Zoya says, Yeah, this place has pretty old-fashioned ideas about what makes something high class. But I've heard the fish is incredible. Tim, Oh, this is that place where they invent their own seafood, right? Next panel, a hostess has suddenly arrived. And the hostess says, That's right, sir. We genetically engineer them right here, painstakingly breeding generation after generation to hone in on exactly what creates the perfect-tasting fish. Too bad time dilation doesn't work. The hostess checks her floating screen. Zoya Hall, party of three. We've already seated your friend. Come on, you can follow me. As the hostess walks away, Tim hesitates. Party of three? On the next page, we start on a panel that's close on Zoya. And Zoya says, Yeah, there's someone I want you to meet. Tim, who's off screen, says, Who? You'll see. Tim starts to follow Zoya, who has already started walking into the pathways toward the terraces. Tim says in voiceover, I wonder who it is. In the next pa panel, it's the same angle from Tim's point of view. Zoya has stopped and is looking back toward Tim. Tim? Next panel, close on Zoya's face, betraying some concern. You don't have to do what he tells you, okay? Next panel's on Tim, confused. Okay. In the next page, we start on Tim's POV as he walks through the elaborate restaurant. To his left and right, diners in fancy dress can be seen seated. On the ground to his left, the meandering Koi River. The path itself is made of tatami mats laid over wooden decking. The whole place has a maximalist Japanese vibe that feels like the Kill Bill Japanese restaurant as reimagined by M.C. Escher. Zoya walks in front of him, and the hostess leads her. She cheats her head back toward the guests. And the hostess says, You'll be in our VIP Koshitsu tonight. 
It's just this way, over the bridge. Tim, geez, how'd you swing that? Next panel, wide shot showing the span of a footbridge over a babbling koi-filled brook. Some of the koi in the water have those faces that look a little like old men. The three of them are mid-bridge, crossing from left to right. Next panel, the three have reached the top of the pyramid, where there is a bamboo cube with palm leaves forming a roof. The hostess is pushing aside one of the bamboo walls, revealing a traditional tatami dining room inside. Uh, Tim and Zoya linger outside. Please, enjoy. We're inside the private room now. It's a nice but traditional private uh, dining room. In the corners are potted palm trees that provide the roof, and in the center, the night sky can be seen above. There's a large, low table and pillows to sit on. In the center of the table is a massive, crazy-looking fish, a tuna variant the size of a small cow. Around it are assembled a huge assortment of dips, sauces, side dishes, etc. Our POV is coming from the head of the table, where the as-yet-unnamed guest is sitting. Uh, Zoya is in frame along the right wall. Tim is halfway through the doorway. Zoya says, Tim, I'd like you to meet Saba. Next panel, close on Tim, eyes gleaming. Saba Dodgka? No way! So that's where the uh, where the interstitial would be. So then on the next page, we're coming back after a, a brief break. Oh, yeah. And just to remind everybody, those are going to be little mini stories, right, that show some other corner of the constellation, you know, a, a history lesson or something like that. Yeah, exactly. And we'll be coming back. Okay, so here we are on the next page after the interstitial break, and we are coming back to the feast at the Zen Garden. Tim and Zoya are both sitting in front of a stack of cleaned plates and surrounded by overturned beer bottles. Saba, at the head, looks stately in formal attire and holds a beer aloft. Tim looks at Saba, full of awe. Zoya tries to avoid looking directly at either of them. Tim, in voiceover, I can't believe Saba Dajka is in Althoff. He's pretty well known for starting Abulia, the best racetrack world in the Constellation. I spent months just flying around that place when I was in my 60s. Uh, and then Tim says, out loud, so I have to ask. I'm sure you get this all the time. Is the rumor true that Altoff was started by uh, next panel, close on Saba, addressing Zoya, who looks at her food? And Saba says, no, that's nonsense. But I'll tell you the real story. Do you know this, Zoya? No. Altoff well, started quite some time ago. Next panel shows a windswept plane with a gathering of early 21st century looking people gathered around a small stage where a man preaches fist to the sky. Giant spinning dice rotate above their heads. I'm not even sure exactly when or what the founder's name originally was, but in the early days of the constellation, people were trying all kinds of things to make sense of what the world had become. A group arose that called themselves the Stochastics. They were trying to grapple with eternity, and what they decided was that randomness was itself a kind of god to be worshipped. The same group of people mid-teleport into a totally different world, this one an urban environment where all the creatures are farm animals in suits. The stochastic mainstream simply visited random worlds rather than traveling with purpose. Next panel is the same group again, this time among giant robotic spiders. But soon a splinter group, even more pious than their teachers, broke away. On the next page, we start with a panel uh, of a smaller group of people surrounded uh, surrounding one rugged, mustachioed man in a small, rustic room. 
who is standing by a wooden table. He holds his right hand up in a fist, as if making a solemn pledge. The others in the group now wear druid-type robes with hoods. Our founder was among this fundamentalist group, and like them all, he made a solemn pledge. Up close on the table, uh, his hand has opened and dice have rolled out. The robed followers can be seen in shadow crowding around the table. Not just to accept the terms sight unseen of randomly chosen worlds, but to commit for a two-week period to staying in them, no matter what the cost. Truly exposing themselves not just to random experience, but random consequence. Okay, next panel is wide on a new world with ice cream sundae mountains and purple hippopotamuses flying through the sky. The robed followers sit in a green field having a picnic. The first world they visited was uneventful. Okay, on the next panel, it's the same panel shape, same location of the followers, but the world now features swarms of flying piranhas, a few club-wielding giants stomping on victims in the background, lava pits on the ground, and other imminent dangers. The followers themselves are already being speared, burned, etc., and a few are running for their lives. The second, however, was a nightmarish hellscape put there to ensnare foolish world hoppers. Death was on. Pain was jacked to maximum. Nearly the entire sect died within minutes. Panel 5 is back in the restaurant. Tim is agog. Saba gestures, continuing his tale. Tim says, holy shit. And Saba continues, By some luck, our founder outran the giants and avoided the lava pits, crawling into a filthy, dung-lined hole where he cowered and starved, waiting to eject until the pledged two weeks had passed. On the next page... The first panel is just a black void. He could barely move a muscle to avoid alerting the motion-seeking piranha birds that patrolled the world. And in the next panel, as if our eyes are adjusting to the light, it's still dark, but we can make out a few things in the darkness. The founder's face, now wearing a significant beard and covered in grime and filth, and on the cave wall, a few scribbled letters in different alphabets. In the cave, various words in various strange languages had been scrawled by previous visitors. In his frame of vision, a single word stared at him for days and days. That word. Back in the restaurant, close on Tim, whose eyes shine. Altoff! Uh, On the next panel, from the founder's POV, we look at the pit wall. It's a black scribbled mess, but in the center, with the tiniest bit of light illuminating it, is the holy word, Altoff, scrawled in the hurried hand of a dying man. Altoff became his name, his mantra, his vision. After exactly two weeks, he twitched his toe in the subtle way that ejected him from that place and created a brand new world, the Altoff headquarters. Next panel's back in the restaurant, close on Saba. From then on, he shared his insight, that eternity demands fealty to all that is new, and to this day, that is Altoff's guiding philosophy. On the next page, first panel, Tim puts a piece of strange-looking sushi in his mouth. This This is honestly incredible. First time I've tasted something genuinely new to me in decades, at least. Uh, Saba addresses Tim with perhaps a slightly religious conviction. And he says, novelty alone can make this endless journey meaningful. In the next panel, Saba gestures toward a dish. Tim reaches toward the dish with his chopsticks. You simply must try the natto-infused habanero sauce. But before you do, ease up on your pain threshold a little. It tastes best when it hurts. The next panel, Tim, having eaten something painfully spicy, winces. In voiceover, Tim says, Wow, a real representative of Altov. My solution to Pompeii must have really impressed them. Next panel, Saba gestures to Zoya, who smiles tightly. Saba says, 
Zoyas told me about your progress in the initiation ritual. The next panel, Tim's not sure whether or not to play dumb. The trials? Okay, on the next page, we start with a wide shot of the private room. A koi fish is jumping out of the brook that runs along the floor. Uh, yes, Saba says. You've successfully completed two, but... Of course, there's a third. Three's such a nice number. Panel two, close on Tim, pressing his luck. Does that mean after this one I'm in? Next panel, Saba dabs his mouth with a napkin. There are three trials in total, if that's what you're asking. Tim looks at Zoya, who is eating a piece of sushi. Tim in voiceover says, not exactly. But then Tim says out loud, okay, so what is it this time? Next panel, close on Saba. The third trial is always tailored somewhat to the applicant. We look for something hard, of course, to signal loyalty, and something that seals us together with the initiate, in a mutual bond that would be disastrous for either side to break. Next panel is a medium with both Saba and Tim, arranged with Tim on the left. We above all look for novelty. Show us something you've never done. Hmm, I don't understand. I'm Zero Gen. I've been bouncing around for over 70 years doing everything I could think of or hear about. I've flown, swam, eaten, and fucked so many different things. I've played all types of games, raised a kid, studied religions, and built worlds. Next panel is close on Tim's face as he's being honest. That's why I'm so interested in Altov. I've done it all. I know there's more out there, but not among what regular people can see. Okay, next page, uh, panel one, is P- Tim's POV. Uh, Saba leans in. And Saba says, Okay, but there must be something you've never done. Something dark? Panel two is medium. The, Tim smiles and leans back, gesturing as if he's dismissing what he says as he says it. Saba leans in, ready to hear. Zoya purses her lips and watches Tim. What, like uh, kill someone? Yeah, I guess I've never done a murder, but, you know, it's pretty hard to do that when most worlds don't even have death on. Panel three is close on Saba, dead serious. Well, at our last count, there were a hundred or so that do. Mostly naturalist worlds. Next panel, close on Tim, incredulous. Wait, you're not serious, are you? Tim looks at Zoya, who looks at him, but says nothing. You want me to kill someone? Isn't that... You know, wrong? Next page, wider shot with Saba on the left and Tim in the middle, Zoya on the right. Tim looks like he's hesitating. In most cases, yes, but there's no rule against finding an edge case. There's also no hard rule against acting immorally. Often novelty demands doing exactly that. Well, what are the rules? It could be anyone on any world but one of our established members must be there to witness. That is why I've come to join you two tonight. I will act as your witness. And Zoya responds, or sorry, Zoya chimes in. Uh, you don't have to join all tough, of course, Tim, if you don't want to. Next panel is a dead-on centered frame of Tim standing, sitting up straight. No, I'll do it. Next panel, Saba shakes Tim's hand. He smiles. Tim looks nervous, but maybe a little excited, too. Tim in voiceover says, there's got to be some way to find a suicide case or something. Think, who wants to die? And Saba says, good luck to you. Next panel is a bit later. Even more, mostly eaten plates of food and empty bottles are everywhere. It's a wide shot with everyone in it. And Tim saying, so naturalists, they want to die, right? Isn't it like part of their religion? Saba says, 
Yes, basically. They believe in replicating the rules of the old world as closely as possible in this one, in the belief that doing so and dying will get them into heaven. So if I can find one who's pretty old? Uh, Might I suggest something? Sure. Next panel, Saba gestures like this is just an offhand idea, nothing special. Are you uh, familiar with the Catal? It's a naturalist world. I've never been. Next panel, closer on Saba. His look a little darker. They're very welcoming to new members and have the requisite standard contract. Uh, Why don't the three of us make a pilgrimage? And that is where these pages end. Nice. All right. Yeah, we're getting to good stuff here. (laughs) This was fun Um, to do, as I'm sure you can imagine getting to tell this story of Altov, which we've sort of talked through a few times before, and I hope I remembered the details right. Um, but well, that was fun to, to try to dredge up everything we talked about and, and figure out how he would tell the story and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I was very excited for that part, and uh, lots of good stuff. I like this bit about the spicy... Turn your pain threshold on for the spicy food. <laughs> like, it, like feels better when it hurts a little bit like that's those are always good little moments um yeah let me go there were a couple things that i thought of that weren't like criticisms that were more like oh that's not what i what i was thinking okay but interesting so i just want to compare notes with you on like what how this maybe would have thought of something different but not necessarily saying my way is better well and i'm very open i i you know this was yeah this was just a one way through it basically yeah, yeah, just there were just things where I'm like, huh, that's not what I thought was going to happen there. Um, so let's see. So, oh, I went back too far. Eighty-one are, is uh, the first 80, page of this. Eighty-one, right, right, right. Um, yeah. So this is what we talked about. They, they, they beam into Magnurbia, but they're in a in a fancy, uh, prestigious part of Magnurbia that not everyone can access. I. We it is also where Tim's parents are, which hopefully people connect, right? We don't really spell right. Other than just saying it is the world of Magnerbia, there is no special connection. So that's something we could do. I I thought about having him walk in off the street or something, but I figured this was a large enough place that I don't know. Anyway, it right now, other than just the caption saying Magnerbia, there's no connection. So we can decide if we want to add something there. I know you've dropped this line in about Tim saying too bad time dilation doesn't work, which we've talked about how maybe Tim had some pet project to like so, manipulate time. Yes. And like, so I don't know if this is a reference So this to was that. me just trying to front load because we, we had talked about time dilation being possibly uh, what isn't working in their in their project. In their in their opening in their world, opening world right? project, exactly. The story so this was yeah. me just referencing that uh, as nice. if we had fixed that problem already, even though we have not that's fixed what it yet. That's kind of what and I if figured. we end up okay. fixing it in a different way, we'll just swap it for something else. But I, it just occurred to me that if you were trying to do genetic engineering on fish, being able to time dilate so that you could do uh, faster generations would be really valuable to you. So just like while I was thinking of you know what these people were actually doing at this restaurant, it just occurred to me that that would be a valuable service that they would want. So since, uh, so that's why I had to mention Right. And I think, and I think that's a, you know, that's a cool thing to, to reverse, you know, put in the next draft, we'll put into the like place we're talking about. I think it'll be cool there. Um, so yeah, that's exactly what I thought that was very cool. Um, okay. So the first thing that like was, Oh, that's not what I was thinking is the way you play it as, 
maybe this is what we talked about and I had forgotten, but like, it's like Saba is like a surprise. Um, like he doesn't even know he's meeting anyone. Right. So I think like that was, I think that makes total sense, but I think like, yeah, it wasn't clear from our, our talks through this, whether he knew, um, what was happening. So, yeah. So, uh, I decided that Zoya had told him, come meet me at this fancy restaurant and dress up. <laughs> and I had not told him more. And then so he gets there and finds out, you know, from the hostess that there's a third guest. Now, yeah, we, it could go that she already told him or something. I'm, I'm not opposed to that. That was, just a, that was just a random choice I made. I guess, yeah, I mean, the alternative, like, one, it's like, a, you know, he's kind of being blindsided and he's surprised and that's maybe interesting. And then I guess the other way you play it is where he knows what a big deal this is and he's, you know, <laughs> and he's nervous. nervous yeah. Stuff, yeah, yeah. Right? And that could be interesting yeah. too, especially if we want to really play it in voiceover. Uh, so I'm not opposed to thinking through that option. It just, yeah, I just wasn't sure. And it, this is how I turn it. Quick note about voiceover. This is, I think one of the first things we'll probably work out for the next draft. Uh, um, since we only just started using voiceover part of the way through the script. And uh, I noticed here you have like really present, uh, like present tense voiceover, right? Like literally what he's thinking as he's right, thinking. Right, which maybe those should um, actually be thought bubbles, right? Because we had, we had cert- previously, I think we'd established that those are, that we're doing those as thought bubbles, not. They certainly could be thought yeah. bubbles to distinguish them from voiceover where he's relating a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that is something we need to think through clearly. And I just didn't <laughs> for this. But, well, I think yeah. there's one way where we do the book. I mean, I don't want to derail too much into this topic, but there's one way where we do the book that I could imagine where it kind of has like voiceover just throughout. Um, and then if you do past tense, it feels like you have to explain at some point who he was talking to. Whereas if you do present tense, then it's just like you're just constantly getting his thoughts as they're happening. And I think if you did that through the whole book, you wouldn't have to use a thought bubble. It could yeah, just yeah, be yeah. That's, that's correct. Convention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it should be consistent and yeah. either way, we there'll there'll be some trade off because if you're doing present tense voiceover, then you don't want to do it such that he's explaining things in the past, unless it would make sense that he would be explaining that past to himself at that moment. You know, like you want to constrain it to what he would actually be thinking. Yeah, he can't. He can't have to. Yeah, he can't have this like more distanced uh, hindsight. Right. Whereas view, if you want know, to have him be he, a narrator yeah. character, then you shouldn't probably give him too many present thoughts and instead he inst- you know you can cheat it a little and have him be like um uh i remember wondering who it was or you know like you can you can cheat it a little and and give him some access to his own internal thoughts but yeah that's something that i just didn't honestly put thought into on this and uh and we will have to on the that's good i mean later i'm glad that we have we have a variety of of versions of ways of doing this in this script and i think honestly that's going to be good it's just gonna be, when we read it back we'll be like what feels like it most yeah natural, yeah yeah you know? yeah exactly and we um, can just uh conform the rest at that time um another thing i noticed that sort of surprised me mm-hmm. but potentially makes tons of sense is that he had heard of saba just by name right um so uh i don't know i mean i'm not saying good or bad i'm just saying like that's something like i was like oh i hadn't really like considered that yeah what led me to that was i thought you know people who get into altov have you know reached this high status um and that's how they got in the first place 
And so I was just trying to think of how did Saba get in? And then I decided he had made some, some racetrack world a long time ago that was, you know, popular. And, uh, so Tim being a nerd would have heard of him uh, again. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be the case, but it made sense internally to me. And I thought it, it did some narrative work for us where he didn't have to explain why he should be impressed. Cause he's, as soon as he knew who he was, he was, he's automatically impressed. So that, I think that, that helps like just keep things moving. Right. Right. Although I guess, I mean, he could just be wholesale impressed by it's like, it's a club member, but, um, but yeah, um, it also helps but, him believe that think... he's a club member because he's someone who is high status, who's Tim knows yes. about. So since there's no verification of that, I think that no. Yeah, and given the helps. the size of the ask coming up, the verifications probably works to narrative advantage to like convincing uh, Tim to actually <laughs> say yes to this crazy task that he's been right. given. Um, so yeah, I think maybe then that's a great choice. So just something I noticed. Um, let's see. Oh, so okay. So there's one. This might be a, a quibble. I'm not sure. Like, there's one detail of the founding story that is that differs from what I had thought it was. But maybe yours is more practical. I I don't know. I got there's something to think okay, through. Okay, what's that? Um, I had thought that the worlds were randomly generated. Oh, rather than some, randomly in some chosen. Fashion, rather than like randomly selected, and they just like stumble into essentially a trap that was set. Um. That's interesting. Uh huh. So like the like, and you're, I guess. Well, here would be my argument for that. Uh, like, because I think the way you have it now, the changes they go from randomly visiting worlds to just randomly visiting worlds and then committing to stay there. Um, and so that's maybe like a smaller advancement than going from randomly visiting worlds to, to really like randomly spinning. The a roulette wheel to like generate a nonsense world and just dealing with whatever it comes up with. Now, the practical question is there is like what kind of tech uh, earlier in the constellation is actually able to do that. Maybe, although maybe it's a really, maybe that's why it goes so badly because it's a really <laughs> poorly made. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess you could tell algorithm. the exact randomize all parameters. That's not that complicated to explain. Right. So I could imagine that being, you know, um, yeah, I like that. I think that might be a good uh, enhancement to this story. So it wouldn't make a big change, but it would just basically the 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 splinter group would go a little bit further than they're currently going, and they would uh, not just commit to randomly visiting worlds, but they would randomly generate worlds. And then I think the um, the result can basically be the same. It just won't be the result of a trap in that case. Yeah, you won't have to explain. It's one less thing to explain, right? Because the trap is actually a pretty good way to 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 justify why that would happen. Well, yeah, but I, think so I was we trying to think, like, wait, why that. did somebody make this world? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I guess if it just was a pure uh, dice rolls, then that also explains it. So, yeah, I mean... And that also affects the words on the wall. Like, the words would be more just like, this is what the random generation algorithm spat out rather than and that's why there's a random word on the wall right not right right because somebody wrote right. it right so it had you're right the random yeah. algorithm like sort of searched the the archives and grabbed some random words and yeah rather than it being a, a person um okay yeah i mean i think that i'm i'm on board for that change i i looked at our written notes for this story but i didn't go back and listen to whatever episode we talked about it so i may have m- miss missed that make that change so i'd say everything else 
um, plays out, you know, pretty much, uh, like I was expecting it to play out. You know, he has to do some, uh, persuasion. We talked about like, I mean, there's so, uh, so many ways to play the persuasion scene, but like we did want to, we did sort of discuss how we wanted maybe Tim to say it first. And so like he does a, finds a pretty good way to coax Tim into doing that, which I think is, is a cool tack. Yeah, that could maybe be slicker, but I I took a fairly direct approach. But I figured that was a good for for a first right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It, yeah, all of that like kind of is like hitting the beats that I was that I, that I was imagining, and that's I think that actually is a good a good concept for that uh, that I like cool. a lot. Um, I think yeah. I mean, I like everything is here. I'm very excited about all this stuff that's happening um, in our story and seeing it dramatized. Uh, yeah. Um, and I like the specifics of the the fish and the restaurant. Um, I think my only note for like this scene is like, is there a way to make this scene like more sinister? Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, I guess there's a version where like this scene is more like a roller coaster ride, right? Um, and I think to some degree it'll always be that, right? Like it, you know. Uh, Tim is surprised to see someone or he's anticipating seeing someone and nervous. However, we do that. And then, you know, he actually meets them and then he gets the cool story and then he gets this crazy ask. Um, so maybe it's just more like I would love to get to a point when the ask happens. Yeah. Where it feels. I don't know. I want Saba to feel kind of like. Or maybe it's just like I want him to throw his weight around in, in, in more. Well, so right? Right. I, I mean, did everything like, that was in our outline except one thing. And the one thing I didn't find a place for, and it wasn't like a, this wasn't like a conscious choice, like I'm not doing this. It was just like I, I couldn't find a place for this in this first pass was, um, you know, we had a note about him finding some way to threaten Tim or Tim's family or something. He has some kind of privileges in Magnerbia. And maybe, you know, and maybe Tim is, maybe it's not even spoken, but Tim is thinking in his head, like, if I don't do it, this guy says he could really cause problems for me or something. He somehow, there was some sort of hint of threat that we had made a note about. And I, look, I, I don't, I don't think it's a bad idea. I just didn't find the spot for it. So it's not in there right now. No, and, and I, maybe, maybe, and I think be. that, that, I think that that would definitely do it obviously if he makes a, a veiled threat i mean of course right uh that makes it more sinister i don't think it necessarily and that could be a great idea we've got him in magnerby and it all makes sense but i think my larger note is it doesn't have to be the threat it's just like i want to see some darkness in him i think i mean obviously he, <laughs> he asked him to murder someone so that is there but i almost like want to see it a little earlier too so like something feels like odd about this guy I mean, Zoya is the other thing I think that can add this feeling of dread. And 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 you have her saying, um, kind of sketch it. You kind of sketch that out, right? Because you have her saying, you know, you don't have to do what he asks you, right? But it's it's a little more like pleading. Like there's a possibility where like Zoya is freaking terrified, right? And acting really odd, like because I, I, we know that behind the scenes, like she's kind of in huge trouble too. Right, right. Yeah, this is something that warrants a lot of thought. I think because it's tricky because we want to, we want it to play both ways, right? We want it to play when you don't know what's going on Soya. And then we want it to play also when you do. And I was trying to figure out how to balance that. And I'm, I'm sure I didn't like nail it. Um, so she, she warns him before Saba's in the picture. You don't have to do what he says. 
And then in the scene, she says something like, you know, you don't have to join Altaf if you don't want to. And the reason I gave her that line is because I thought you could read that two ways, you know, like, um, like if you hear, if it was a movie and you heard someone say it, it wouldn't work. But because it's a comic book, it's a little bit more vague how that's meant. So I, I feel like you could almost read that as like a taunting. Like, well, no, well, I like you don't the, have to join. I like the, you could just walk away if, you, if you're not willing to do the thing. But it can also re- re- read like a warning. So I, I thought that was potentially interesting to do something like that where it's like when you read it the first time and you don't know, you, it sounds like she's taunting him. And then later when you, if you were to read it again after knowing the twist, you would realize that she's she's trying to warn him, but she's trying to do it under the radar so that Saba doesn't get pissed at her. Um, and again, that... No, I like that. Might not be the right. I like the. I like that. I mean, I like that a lot. I mean, I like that line. Um, I just. I wonder if there's just something that we can like keeping even even if we kept everything as you had it. Like, if there's something to add that just makes her seem like something's off or troubling her, right? Sure. Like just something weird. I just don't know what that is. It could even be. I mean, in a movie, it it's easier because like it would be more like a timing or line delivery thing or like she's spaces out for a moment or i don't know what it would be but like i don't know how you yeah 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 we can ever space out for a moment it costs like three panels somewhere we could do that like he says something over a picture of her looking off and then it's like another picture of her looking off and he's like zoya are you with us you know and the third panel she answers like yeah yeah i mean maybe that's one yeah i'm i'm pretty open to that i i I was trying to figure out how to keep zoya an active participant in the scene even though we knew that saba really needed to take over in this beat and i'm not sure i totally got it i mean i think i i hinted at where it could go but it's something we can look at i mean if I mean, we were talking about Saba doing just now. You mentioned like he could be like weirdly cruel to the waiter, but I mean, maybe like it's. I mean, Zoya maybe is more like the answer here, right? Because that also involves her in the scene. I mean, right, right, right. I mean, again, we have to not give away our way. twist, but she's yeah. like a pawn in his game right now, and so he's. I mean, the guy is power tripping in this moment because he he's he's gotta yeah. be like he's he's so in control of this insane situation, yeah. and he can he can kind of make Zoya dance for him, you know, in a weird way in the yeah. scene that. You know, we just have to make sure it doesn't give away the... Yeah, well, really right, because I think from Tim's point of view, Zoya is a, you know, is a new initiate into the group. And it's still, it is, I think, plausible that she would be undergoing some, uh, you know, hazing or something um, just as like a new member. So I think it's not like if she were to speak up out of turn and he were to like kind of shut her down or something like that, uh, Saba were to do that. Uh, I think Tim wouldn't think that was like Tim wouldn't be alerted that there was a problem. Yeah. I mean, Tim would expect uh, Saba to be on top of that hierarchy. Exactly. Just given what he thinks he knows. Exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. So that doesn't contradict, I think, their main story. So I think that would kind of work if 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 Saba kind of like treats her the way you know, the way a senior treats a freshman or the way a, 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 a boss treats a new hire, um, sometimes, you know, uh, sharply or with a lack of patience or, you know, something. And we know from Zoya's personality that she doesn't like, she doesn't seem like the kind of person who takes shit right from like in the previous scenes, we haven't seen her taking a lot of shit from anyone. So, 
like to see it, it, it'll be a moment you know tim would see her take some shit and he'd think something about it and you know yeah so that's something we could we could add when we when we go back over this i think that's a fair like thing to to look for yeah i mean again this is yeah this i mean this is more just like adding you know building more layers onto this because there's just like there's potentially um there's this is a very rich moment i think and in some ways like your last pages that you did too are also like that where he's dealing with james appleway right where like yeah there's just a lot of layers to these um sequences um so they'll, yeah but but good stuff was this fun. was an exciting one i mean um, I, I also am kind of envious of you because your next beat though i was not sure if i would get to the next beat or not but this ended up being nine pages what i just did so i, I didn't want to start a new beat at on page nine um and the next one is their arrival in Qatar and the uh the ceremony the opening ceremony uh of of Qatar which i think is also going to be just like a really fun super dense like here is a whole society in a scene <laughs> um like i'm i i was like yeah i'm really excited yeah. In some to ways read that's, your yeah. take on that but i was like for the first time in this process, I was like pretty jealous. I wasn't writing that. I was like, oh man. I was jealous of these pages that you got to do yeah, this well, time. Uh, so, so I think we're just in the, I we're think it's in just, the juicy part. That's all. So you get, you yeah, know, yeah. you get some, I just got some. That's it for uh, today's episode. So uh, see us next time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for uh, being with us and we will uh, be back with more soon. Thank you for listening. This has been Constellation Making the Graphic Novel. Our theme song is Pomona by Audios. To subscribe to this podcast, look us up on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher application. You can find us on Twitter or on the web at constellationpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.